Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Could you turn to your neighbor and say, I love you? Not, yeah, yeah, there you go. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I love you. Uh, I shared this in our first service, and I found myself this week saying, I love you to strangers. And it was weird, right? It was a little awkward. I was like, I love you. And it was like one of those moments that's just like, okay, you know, like you can't go back now. We've already crossed that threshold. And so uh, I remember I was told someone, I love you. And I was just like, okay. And I realized in today's day and age, we made saying I love you to people so weird and so awkward. And it's just like, I realize I can say that not to be weird and be like, I love you, like in a weird way. Right. But just be like, I love you with the love of the Lord. And so in today's society, we've made that so like, a, oh, that's you don't even know me, you know. But I find that telling someone you love them isn't a thing that you're just like, oh, this is a weird thing. But this is just like I'm loved and I'm overflowing with love that I could say it to you, not in a weird way, but because God loves me so much, even though it may slip out to a stranger, I'm not taking it back. Be awkward with my love, you know? And so it's just like, because I, there are many times where, I'm at, think about this, to your barista, to the person who's checking you out at Kroger, to the person who's just a random stranger, a lot of people go through their lives without hearing the words, I love you, to them, spoken frequently. Or here's another thing, that they don't hear the words like, you are valued. How would that change someone's life? Is if when you or someone tells them like, hey, you're loved and you're valued. I remember saying that to a barista a couple weeks ago and it was like tears. Like I just because it slipped out. I was like, love you. And I was like, hey, guess what? I love you and you're valued. Let me just throw the cherry on top. Like you are valued and God is doing something. And she like started tearing up because she probably doesn't hear that every day. Imagine if someone were to call you every morning and tell you you are loved and you are valued. Without you having to do anything, you're just loved and valued. So I just believe that when we do things like that, it's just putting Jesus on display. It's just letting them know like, hey, because I'm loved and valued, you are loved and valued. Amen? Amen. All right. So second service people, it's 11 o'clock. So y'all had enough coffee, enough time to wake up. I'm going to need some more energy from y'all. All All right. The 915 crowd came in spicy. Y'all need to come with some seasoning, okay? A little something. Y'all just in here like... You're going to preach to me. It's just like, no, we're going to talk about this thing together. Um, so last week, we were continuing our series, Fingerprint. And last week, we ended on as we go into prayer, because these are just the four points that have just been on me. And I just and I put it on Instagram and I put it all over. And because now it's, it's been changing my prayer life. Right. So the four points were God can be trusted. God is good. God is listening. God is, he's aware. I think that's it. I think I messed it up. Whatever. So he can be trusted. He's good. He's listening. He's in control. There you go. See, that's why y'all need to get find a good wife. She'll throw you the assist when you're about, when you're about to make, miss a layup. So those things have just been on my heart. And it's been really been changing my prayer life because no longer am I praying from a place of bargaining with God and saying, God, if you can, it's like, God, I know you will. And it may not be in the way I expect it to be, but I know you will, that you're faithful to do those things. And so the outcome will never be something that I expect. It'll always be better than that, because when God is in control and he's good and he can be trusted and he's listening, you know that the outcome is always greater. So this week, uh, I want... Anyone in any entertainment, whether it be a movie, a book, a TV show, the thing that makes that show good, if we're honest, what makes the show, the movie, the book good is a really good plot twist. Amen? Amen? Anyone ever watch a movie without a good plot twist and you're just kind of like, eh, this was all right. Right? Or you see the plot twist coming and you could, that's the most frustrating thing between me and Tasha. I'm like, they did it. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, they did it. And it's so, it, makes, it just kills the show or it kills the movie. I hate a bad plot twist. But the most beautiful thing that people, writers do is when they build in a good plot twist. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're due for a plot twist. All right. Now say it like you're awake. 
You're due for a plot twist. What is a plot twist? It's an unexpected development in the book, film, or TV show. It says that writers frequently use plot twists to add nuance to a narrative, right? It adds nuance to a narrative. You have to know that today God has written a plot twist into your story. Some of you guys are going through situations, you're going through circumstances right now, and you just believe it is the way it is, this is what's going to happen, but you serve a God who loves to write plot twists. He loves to change the story around because when it's headed one direction, he's like, no, 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 I'm going to turn this around for your good. I made that promise. I work all things together for the good of those in Christ Jesus. So if God is the author of your life, you are due from a plot twist. It'll add some nuance to your faith. It'll add some... um, growth to your story because some of us think like if if this is the situation it's going to end up broken and God is like no 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 I am the author and the finisher of your faith so guess what your story won't end in bad it's going to end and reveal my glory see you guys are living plot twists I'm a living plot twist you are a living plot twist being that you have been set free from whatever title that the world gave you you are a living plot twist because all of our testimonies start off with my life was going this way but God showed up and now I'm this way what a plot twist I am not a slave to my addiction what a plot twist I am not a product of my environment that's a plot twist You see, God loves to write good plot twists. He loves to use our lives to write good plot twists. Because whatever the enemy intended for evil, God is like, no, no, no. I'm going to turn around God. I'm going to turn it for a good. And you are that plot twist. You are a plot twist. Well, we ended off last week in Esther 5, right? And we said that Esther was was praying and told her community to pray for her. And she says, pray for me. And she said the most, one of the most gangster things in the Old Testament, because she said, if I die, I die. I could never say that. She goes, if I go before him and the king and he didn't request me, and if I die, I die. She made up her mind that I'm going to be bold and go before the king. But before I go before the king, I need you guys to pray for me. I need you guys to fast with me for three days that when I go before him, I can make this request. And so she walks into the room. He holds out his gold scepter and he goes, um, Queen Esther. I found, like he finds favor on her. He goes, whatever you want. It's yours. And then let's start in verse three, chapter five, verse three, it says, then when the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. I believe that when you're walking in your favor and your anointing and your calling, questions like that come up in your life. What do you want? What do you want? And I believe that a lot of us, the reason why we haven't been asked that question, because let's let's be real. If our bosses or spouse or someone would come to us with power and influence and they were like, what do you want? You'd be like, oh, my God, what? I've been waiting for you to ask this question. (laughs) Right. I need you to fire them. I need to get a raise. And if it's your spouse, you're like, I need you to do this. I need, what, what do you, <laughs> you ask the question, what do I want, you know? And for some of us, I believe the reason why we haven't had that question asked in our lives yet is because we aren't prepared for it. We're not prepared. That if someone of influence or power were to ask us, what do we want? We would not know how to answer them. Because we would ask for foolishness. I would. And God is preparing us to be like that when someone asks us that question that we've been prayed up enough and spent enough time with Christ to be like, oh, I know exactly what we want. See, some of us are not prepared for the question of what do you want? Jesus asked the same question. What do you want of me? What do you want? If someone were to ask us a question right now, have we been praying about a response? Have we prayed to God? I don't know how to answer that question, but give me a response. For a lot of us, we all have dreams. We all have big dreams. But a lot of us don't set goals. 
And I want you to write this down. Write this down because it's important. Dreams without goals is a nightmare. Dreams without goals is a nightmare. Some of us, who here has dreams? Who here has vision for their life? Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. So if you have a vision, if you have a dream that you want to achieve, but you are not setting goals, you are setting yourself for a, for a nightmare. And that's where we blame God and we get angry with God. Well, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? And you gave me this vision. You gave me this dream. But you are not setting goals for yourself to achieve, achieve the a dream. You're not setting small goals to get close. See, you got to pray like it's all on God, but you got to work like it's all on you. I didn't say that. Mark Batterson did. So I know how to give credit. You have to pray like it all depends on God, like God's going to do all the work. But you got to work like it's all on you. What does scripture say? Prayer without works is dead. Your work is the faith to the audacious dream God gave you. When you set your small goals and you work your small goals, your faith is showing to everyone around you, I believe that I have this big audacious dream, vision, and it will come to pass. And here are the things that I'm doing daily to get to that place. But a lot of us just want God to just give us the dream and put it in our lap. God, just give me the dream. God, just give it to me. I want it now. Mm, right? Our adult temper tantrums. Mm. And then we start like asking the universe and God is like, that's wild. I hold that in my hands, but you're asking that. And so what happens? We have this big audition dream and we don't set goals. And that's why it becomes a nightmare. That's why a lot of us give up on the dream, on the, on the, on the vision. And it's not audacious because it's just like, well, I can't do it. God, God is a God of decency and order. That's biblical. Everything that God did, he did in decency and in order. He, did, he doesn't make a mess. He is not the God of chaos. Some of us want this dream, but if we got the dream, it would ruin us. So what does God do? He's like, I got to put this in order. I got to do, you have to do goals. You have to work towards the dream. Because think about this. Take this moment. Imagine if in the book of Genesis... God created mankind before he created the earth. We would be dead. That'd be the end of the Bible. It would never exist. There would be nothing to write about. But what does he do? I have to create the sky. I have to create day. I have to create night. I have to put water. I have to put grass. I have to put animals. And then I will put mankind to steward over it. He does everything in decency and order. See, if God gave you the dream before he created the condition for you to thrive in it, what happens? It wouldn't exist. It wouldn't thrive. So what does God have to do in you before he makes the dream come to fulfillment? He's like, I got to set the conditions in your life. I got to start working things together and you got to work and walk in faith and believe that I'm working for your good and believe that I'm pulling all things together for the good of those in Christ Jesus. See, we are some of us are not ready. That's why if we were to ask the question, what do you want? We'd be like, uh, uh, I don't know. And we would end up ruining what God has for us because we'd be like we'd ask for foolishness. But when you're walking in the anointing and the favor of God, you say, oh, I know what to ask for because I have set these goals and it's been in my faith and so when you ask me what do you want I know what to pray for some of us don't want the conditions we just want it the way it is and God is like no 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 I gotta set these conditions the way he set Adam and Eve in the garden he had to set the conditions imagine God made the earth and no gravity we just would have floated onto the space and died but he's like, I got to create the condition for you. And you have to know I'm working it out. I'm doing it right now. Some of you guys are so stressed out and you're like, oh, God, I don't know what's going to happen. And God is like, chill. I am working out the conditions right now. I am lining it up for your good. Just keep working. Let your faith be evident in all that you do. But some of us have given up on dreams because we haven't set good goals. We haven't set good goals for ourselves. There's a lot of people in this room I'm friends with on social media. And you have a dream for your life. 
And I could see them, and I was talking about Robin. Um, Robin, and she said I could use it again, so I'm going to use it. Um, she was here last service, and she, Robin's becoming a doctor. She's going to get her doctorate. She's completed these things, right? And so I got to track along with her on Facebook because when she started this whole um, collegiate journey, she didn't have that, but she stayed consistent. And I could see it on Facebook. She's like, I just finished writing this paper. I got an A. Oh, I got an A for this course. Oh, I didn't do too great, but I keep on going. So you could see the little goals that she set to now. She's like, oh, I completed my dissertation. I defended whatever. And now I'm getting my doctorate. See, some of us just think just because we're in the room, God's just going to give it to us. And he's like, no, you got to work. You got to do work. It's not, I'm not just going to give it to you. See, see, the thing is, it's already yours and you're not earning it. Right. It's not something that you got to earn. But he's like, I got to see your faithfulness in your every day. You don't have to earn this. It's already yours. But I don't want to give this to you ahead of time. I'm not going to give the car keys to my five year old. Enjoy That's silliness. That's silliness. A dream becomes a nightmare when you don't set goals. And here's why I said she goes, he, he, the king tells, tells Queen Esther, whatever you want, half of the kingdom, what do you want? I don't want to be asked that question out of season. That's why you think Jesus cursed the fig tree in the New Testament. He plucked it out. He cursed it. He's like, this is out of season. It's not bearing any fruit. When someone asks you, what do you want? I pray that at that moment we are prayed up and we have the community praying for us. Someone's like, what do you want of me? You can give a response that is holy and godly because you have to understand the response you give could either be for yourself or it could save an entire community. What do you want? God doesn't seem to answer prayers that are outside of his will. He always seems to answer prayers that are according to his will and his purpose. So when we go before him and he goes, what do you want of me? We know the response. We're full of the spirit. She says, if it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. If it pleases the king. So you have to understand, there was a sequence to this. She goes, if it pleases the king, let, let's Haman and you and I have a, have, a, have a dinner together, have a meal together. And you're like, okay, pastor, what's, who cares? She said, let's have a meal together. If I was Queen Esther, and he's like, what do you want of me? Listen, Haman over there is doing my people dirty. He's trying to kill all of us. She didn't do all that. She could have, but she didn't. There was so much wisdom in what she did. She goes... Hey, let's have a meal. Let's sit down and talk. Let's have a meal together. Because she hadn't seen him in 30 days. So in 30 days, if this is the first thing that's coming out of her mouth is, hey, Haman's trying to kill my people. I need you to stop him. It would have been like, okay, cool. But, but she goes, wait, let's, let's have a meal together. I, think there's, I believe there's wisdom in that. Because there's a lot of us who God has put things on our heart. And we just blurt it out before it's time. Blah. Just let it out. Instead, if we were to take what God has given us and, and really dwelled on it and said, you know what? <laughs> I know I need to ask for a raise. Amen. Hallelujah. It ain't this, doesn't this cost anyone anxiety? Like, I got to ask my boss for a raise. But what if we were to be like, God, show me when to ask. Show me how to ask. Because you know you need a raise, but what do we do? I know I need a raise. The next day, I need a raise. No, wrong way to do that. Because you don't even look, is my boss having a good day? Are they having a bad day? Are they really busy? Is this just another thing on their time? So you know what? Let me, like Queen Esther, let me set a date. Let me set a time. Let me take him to lunch. Because people really can't be mad at you when you're feeding them. That's a little secret, right? <laughs> people really can't get that mad if you're paying for lunch. She said, let's have a meal. And there's wisdom in that. Being slow, learning how to go before God and being like, show me the right time to ask this question. Show me how to phrase this question. Because Queen Esther didn't just blurt out all of her grief and all of her problems. She'd been fasting for three days. So you know girl was hungry. 
That's why she's like, let's eat together because man, I'm a little hangry right now, so let, let's all eat. We're all going to sit here and eat and have a little meal. I don't want to say anything disrespectful. So she invites Haman, and they sit down and they have a meal. If it pleases you, let's have a meal. See, there are things, there, there's a vision that God put on your heart and your mind for your life. And sometimes some of us talk about it before we're actually doing the work. And you need to slow down and say, hold on. God, show me how to speak, who I need to speak to, and how I need to carry myself. She had enough wisdom and tact to be like, I haven't seen you in 30 days. We haven't even talked. So let's sit down and have a meal. And then what does she do? She goes, so the king and Haman went to a banquet that Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king again asked her, now what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. He hasn't let the question go. He's like, what do you, what do you want? And what does Queen Esther do? My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor and it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Queen Esther's smart. This is a smart move. She probably knew that if I'm going to get the king to listen, his belly got to be full. I got to feed his stomach. Some of us are asking the wrong questions at the wrong times when we don't meet the requirement of the need. Some of us, the reason why they didn't hear you when you made your request is because you didn't see the need that was in front of you. First, she said, let me, let me feed him first. Let me, let me request a banquet together. There are some people in our lives that have so much influence and power, not over us, but in, in this earth, they have influence and power, and we need to make a request of them, but yet we haven't done anything to make them comfortable in our presence. And we just think like, oh, you should honor my request. Did you talk to him? Do you know what's going on in their life? Sometimes, I mean, ask. Go to any one of your leaders. Go to any one of them and just be like, how can I pray for you? I bet you that changes their attitude when you have to make a request. Wow, they're always praying for me. Wow, they're always asking me how can I, they're always asking how my, my mother's doing. I told them about how my dad's doing. They know about how my children are doing. And they're always asking, man, that's, uh, thank you for that. It's not buttering up. That's not what she's doing. There's a, she's creating the condition to be heard. She's creating, some of us have requests, but our attitude is all jacked up. And so they, our bosses, our employees, our peers, they see that and they can't hear our testimony because our daily attitude has been poor. So the condition for them to hear us is really not set. You see, you have to understand that God has positioned you and he's asking you, like, if you walk in my ways, if you walk in my favor, I'm going to use you to create a condition that when your bosses or leaders ask, what can I do for you? You have prepared an answer. This is not the first time that you've answered this question. What happens? Are you guys with me this morning? All right, we have cold brew out there. If y'all need to pick me up. It says, Haman went out that day, happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that neither rose or showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Guys, you have to understand that there are some people, no matter what you do, no matter what you do, they just hate the sight of you. Okay? Some of you guys are like, oh, I just want everyone to like me. And I know my, some of my people, some of your personalities, like, I just want to be liked by everyone. No, don't be liked by everyone. It's okay not to be liked by everyone. I just want them to like, no, it's okay. Guess what? As long as they don't affect what you're doing, it's okay. There'll be people who just don't like the sight of you. Don't shrink away from them. 
Because someone's got to show them Jesus, and it might as well be you. Because when someone doesn't like you, they're not going to like anything you do, right? Haman just looked at Mordecai and didn't like him. And Mordecai didn't change or flinch or shrink back a bit, shrink back a bit. So I'm telling you the same thing. The only thing you need to do is keep looking like Jesus. Because those who don't like you, at the end of the day, whenever it happens, they're going to be like, man, I didn't like them, and I tried to torment them, but they just acted like Jesus each and every single time when I tried to attack them or murder them or whatever assassinate their character they just kept on acting like Jesus and if you want to see the blessings in my life I'm gonna keep acting like Jesus I'm gonna show you Jesus because I know you don't like me and I know you you are upset with me but that's okay that's okay boo boo (laughs) go ahead keep not liking me because at some point God's gonna open the door for me to share the gospel with you That's okay. You don't like me? I'm fine with that. That's fine. You're going to see Jesus in me. So much so that you're not going to, you can't help it but like me me at the end. It says, Haman was in high spirits and he saw Mordecai not bowing and got upset. It says, calling together his wife and friends, Haman boasted about his vast wealth and his many children. He boasted about it. He said, I've got all these good things, but this, this Mordecai. So his wife makes the suggestion. She goes, you know what? Why don't you set up a 75-foot 75 sh- 75 sharpened pole so you can kill him on it? He goes, that, I like that idea. So he comes with that idea, and then what does he do? He starts pacing early in the morning. Because he wakes up and he's got death on his mind early in the morning. He starts pacing outside of the king's room. But he doesn't know that God was writing a plot twist in the king. He doesn't understand that God had been working on a plot twist. Because he doesn't know that the entire night the king couldn't sleep. King Xerxes couldn't sleep. And so King Xerxes needed a bedtime story. So he calls his attendant. Hey, come read to me the history of this great empire. So he's reading, and he goes, yes, and on this day, Mordecai saved you from being assassinated. He did? Yeah. What did we do for him? Uh, nothing. We did nothing? Yeah, Mordecai saved you. It's written right here. We did nothing. There's nothing. Oh, man. We got to do something. So what does he do? Haman's outside of his room waiting to talk to him. He goes in uh, chapter six, <laughs> verse three. He says, what honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him. His attendant answered. Then the king said, who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. His attendant answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in. Wow, what a time like this. I called Haman. He was out there anyways. Amen. All right. When Haman entered, the king asked, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? Haman is so prideful. He's like, oh, the king remembered me again. See, that's selfishness. When you always think someone wants to honor you instead of someone else, what does the scripture say? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself lower, right? What does the scripture also say? Humble yourself and God will elevate you in due time. This is the beauty of walking with Christ is that I never have to promote myself. Because when Christ is in me, he does all the promotion I need. And it's not saying to everyone, Jesus loves you or Jesus loves you. It's just walking in the spirit and being, seeing the need in the spirit and being a good worker, being a good husband, being a good father, being a good friend. That's what they see. And so I never have to promote myself because my faith in me is already promoting Jesus. And Jesus is like, when you humble yourself, I will elevate you in due time. Some of y'all are so manipulative, <laughs> right? We, and I'm not saying this because I'm not. I had been manipulative in my life where I was just like, oh, I want this or I want to get this. And we start manipulating and twisting and turning and being annoying to everyone. And then we get it and we're so ungrateful for it. You get it and we're like, I don't even like this. 
I really didn't want this one to begin with. But that's why when we walk by the Spirit and we say, God, I want what you want of me. You don't got to, you don't got to twist, you don't got to turn, you don't, you just say, God, whatever is for me is for me. That's why you don't have to rush, saints. You don't got to rush. You don't have to be like, oh, I got to do this now. If it's for you, it's for you. God has already secured it. He's just like, I just need you to set goals to get to it, but it's yours. It's all yours already. Why are you trying to get it too soon? See, the conditions aren't set. The, con- the stage isn't set yet. Why are you trying to rush this? I don't know who I'm speaking to, but someone was, has been rushing in their life, and I want to tell you, slow down. Slow down. God exists outside of time. Some of you guys would think, oh, that window is closed for me. Who said? You? Oh. Don't you know he's got the whole world in his hands? Don't you know he exists outside of time so that he can bend it to his will? What do you mean the window's closed? There's no such thing as a closed window. In Christ Jesus, there's only open windows. It's just, God, where do you want me to go? I'm going to take my time. I'm going to wait on you. He's like, while you wait, you need to work. Keep on setting goals. Keep on achieving goals. So Haman's here. He's prideful. He's like, who do you? So the, he answered the king. For the man the king delights to honor. You can see Haman so proud of himself. Ah, uh, king, you know. He goes, you know what you should do? Have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden with a royal crest placed on its head. He's so extra. It's, he's so extra and so gross. I want to wear not just any robe. I want to wear a royal robe. And I'll ride a royal horse. First of all, that's unhygienic. You're going to wear a robe the king wore? That's gross. But get the royal one. Don't get anything. Because he's thinking it's for him. He says, then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let, the, let, them, let them robe the man with the king's delight to honor and lead him on a horse throughout the city streets proclaiming before him, this is what the king has done. For the man he delights to honor. This is what the king has done. I can see Haman all up just feeling real good about himself. He's like, I'm about to stroll through these streets looking fleek. Like, how? Right? And then what does the king say? That's a great idea. I love that idea. And he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. So good of idea. You know what? Let's do that and go get Mordecai. He's like, uh-huh. And get who? Go get Mordecai. We're going to do that for him. Why? Why? See, you have to understand. Please hear me when I say this. We serve a God who writes the best plot twists ever. Some of you guys are going through your situation, situation right now, and you think like, oh, if I slander them, if I tear them down, if I show them that they're not good enough, then I will get to where I need to be, and my boss or whomever will notice me. And God is sitting in heaven. He goes, I write plot twists. This is what I do. This is why I call myself the author and the finisher of your faith, because I've already wrote it out to where it's for you and not against you. And everything I have is for your good to give me glory. You don't have to do it. You All you have to do is be exactly who I created you to be. Be exactly who I've called you to be. And you don't got to do all these extra things. Just trust me, I will elevate you in due time. Because it just so happened, right? We can't look at this and say, oh, this is a coincidence or this this is everything aligned in this. No, no, no. The king couldn't sleep. And it brought attention to Mordecai. Some of you guys are in your place and thinking you have to manipulate and twist and turn. And God is saying, I will elevate you. Listen, I know you're worried about your boss or whatever or whatever the situation is. But you have to know my plot twists are the best plot twists ever written. Your divine stories are being written right now with a plot twist. And here's the beauty about a plot twist. All of hell never sees it coming. All of hell never sees it coming. Because I could tell you right now, hell wrote a story for you too. 
Hell wrote a story for you too. They wanted you to be a product of your environment. They wanted to label, uh, put a label on you. They wanted to tell you that you'll be addicted to this. They want to tell you that you'll never be nothing. They want to tell you you have to have a certain amount of influence to do this. And all these things, hell has a story for you. But God looks at that story and he goes, no, no, no. For those are in me, everything is good and amen. And I've written out your story. So guess what? Hell's going to write a story and I'm going to write the plot twist because I'm going to work this out for my good. And I'm working it out right now. There's some of you guys in the room who are not even resting, who can't even sleep. You're stressed about the future. And God is like, don't you know I hold your future in my hands? And I'm going to turn this broken situation around and I'm going to make it beautiful. All right. He writes the best stories ever written. The best stories ever written are in the hands of God. So don't you think, believe for a moment that just because you're going through a situation that went from bad to worse that God gave up on you. He's like, oh, I don't know how to figure this one out. He's like, no, no, no. I never stop working. I, you can go to sleep. You can rest in me. You can sleep on the boat the way Jesus did because my spirit is working for you and it is for you and never against you. And guess what? When I write it, no one can change it. No one can change it. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. Trust me with your story. Some of you guys are going through tough times right now. Some of us are going through hard situations, and we have to make decisions we don't even want to make. And we're like, God, is this the right decision? Is this not the right decision? And God is like, will you trust the way I write stories? Will you trust me? Don't you know I'm in control? That I'm a good God, that you can trust me, that I'm listening, and I hear your prayers. Don't you know? Do you trust me? What a plot twist. What a plot twist that Haman had to now put Mordecai on the horse and walk around. Imagine, imagine Haman. Haman was probably salty. Just walking around. Here's a man the king wants to honor. There are people who want to see your demise. They want to see you fail. They want to see you grow. This is why sometimes family, saints, it's important. Don't put everything on social media. Don't put your hurts on social media. Don't put your failures on social media because there's one group who doesn't care and the other group who wants to see you fail. Don't, you don't got to put it on social media. Everybody don't got to know. But here's the beauty about it. For those who want to see you fail, I got a little sauce for them. You can give them a little pepper, okay? Tell, tell them. This is, this is what scripture says. He says in Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So I want to let you know, you don't got enough money for revenge. You don't have enough in you for revenge. God is saying, oh, let me pay it back. Because when I pay it back, it's not too much, it's not a little, it's just enough. So let me pay back what they wanted to see you fail. Let me work it out because I'm working it out for you. You have to hear my promise. I am working it out for you. Don't go and be petty with them. Don't go and look for, for revenge against them. It won't work. You'll tie yourself out and you'll soil your soul in the process. Let me work it out. Because some of us, we like to be petty, right? That's per my last email, right? <laughs> right? Y'all know. Some y'all know. As per my last email, or when someone asks a question, like, what did I tell you before? Right? Some y'all know. Y'all petty in your own right. I know. But God is like, let me avenge. Let me avenge. I'm going to take care of it. Don't, don't you worry. I wrote a plot twist already. Don't you worry. This will not end in defeat. You will live and not die. What does it say? Don't worry about the whole man who gains the whole world and loses his soul, but worry about the man who loses his body and soul. Some of us have been, you know, we've been working with this bitterness that, oh man, if I got the chance to get them back, let it go. Let it go. But they hurt me. Let it go. It's hard. It's hard to let go. Let it go. You want to know why? It's because you have to know that I'm like, God, what you're going to work it out is so much greater than my pettiness. It's so much greater than my revenge. 
I'm going to sit here and spend, you know, there was a time <laughs> I got let go from a job unfairly and everything in me wanted to do the, be the pettiest thing. Sean used to work with me at that job. I wanted to send like a glitter thing that would just poof glitter when they opened the mail. Like I, I thought of all the pettiest things to do. I should go slash a tire, you know, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> all right, that's what I want to do. Give them three flats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't make an insurance claim on that. On four, you can, apparently. But I would have lost my soul and my testimony in the process. Even if no one's looking. The Holy Spirit wouldn't have let me rest. That's going to be a testimony. Because they hurt. You see, hurt people hurt people. But healed people heal people. That's the way it works. And so you're just like, yeah, that's what you want to do. Listen, I know there are times where you want to be petty. Because they'll catch me on certain days, I want to be petty too. You know how many times I want to get on Facebook and be like, do, 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 and I'm like, no, the Holy Spirit's like, da, 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 da. go outside for a walk or something. Go breathe. Because there are two things you can't get back in life. What is it? Your time and your words. Once they're out, they're out. So use them wisely. Spend them wisely. So he's walking around. <laughs> and he says, this is the man whom the king decides to honor. And Mordecai is just there. What I love is that in the story, he doesn't say Mordecai sat on the horse like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you better walk around with this horse in my robe on. He doesn't get petty. He just takes it. See, it speaks more of to your character of who you are when God elevates you over your enemy. Because I think we see the real person. When God elevates, see, it's not... It's all of a test of a character, right? Number one, when you don't take a revenge over them, you're like, God, I'm going to leave it to you. But the second thing is most important. Who are you when God allows you to triumph over them? Do you be like, see, I told you God was going to get you back. Right? Your character in triumph will speak volumes. Your character in triumph. See, there are some, you ever heard like you're a sorry loser, right? Don't be a sore loser. But then there are some people who are abysmal winners. And they win and you're like, I hate when you win. I hate it. Because you don't even act like Christ when you win. Now I get competition, I get joking, but you know you can be an abysmal winner. I pray that when God uses us to triumph over our enemies, that it's not a place of cockiness or pride that we can share with our enemy and be like, hey, I know I won, but I want to share this with you. I want you to share in my winning, share in my triumph. Because imagine if Jesus was cocky when he came out the grave. I told you I was coming back. <laughs> Y'all didn't believe. <laughs> Call Peter. Look. No, no, no. He says, when I died, you died so that when I rise, you rise as well. You can share in my glory. You can share in my triumph. So what is it? He walks around. And this is in Genesis 50, 20. We see Joseph, right? And he says, he tells his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done. The life-saving of many. If you as believers do not expect opposition in your life, there will be people who just want to see you torn down and suffer. You have to know that God has intended it for your good. Because hell may be writing a story and they may be authoring and being like, this is what it's going to end. But it's you who are like, God, you see hell's story. I need a plot twist right now. He goes, oh, I've already written it in. This will not destroy you. So what does he do? So what are they doing? Haman's walking around with Mordecai on the horse, saying aloud, this is what the Lord does. And what happens? It says that he gets off the horse and Mordecai goes back to sit at the gate. Why? Because the edict hadn't been revoked and it cannot be revoked. So now, now does Mordecai have the backing of the king? And now Haman's in trouble now because he goes home to his wife and his wife, she's so petty. She goes, oh, look at what you did. She's like, you better leave Mordecai alone because 
He's got the king's favor now. Leave him alone. And it just brought me back. I'm going to close with this. It brought me back to Psalms 23. And I know you guys might have heard it. You might have not. And so I want to read it to you because this is what I believe that Mordecai is going through. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though, though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You see, God didn't pull Haman away. God didn't let, didn't, um, God didn't pull Haman away to where it wasn't. God says, no, no, no. I wrote a plot twist in this story. And I'm going to prepare a table for you amongst your, amongst your enemies, for those who are trying to destroy you. But God, Haman's there. I know. I need him to see how I'm going to turn it. He needs to see a comeback, God. He needs to see me through you. Some of us want God to pull us out the situation. God is like, that's not revealing of who I am. I'm going to keep you there because I need your life to be a story to those who don't believe in me. I need them to see through you that even though you are going through a hard time, even though this spells death, I wrote a plot twist in your story. See, some of us are living this life right now and the doctor said, hey, this is your health, it's gonna affect your health, you may not live long, plot twist. Hey, I only got $10 in my account, I don't know if I'm gonna make it, and God goes, plot twist. Oh, how'd I get this check? Plot twist. Oh, I'm headed for divorce. Plot twist. Hey, I'm not good enough. Plot twist. Hey, I thought I was going to get fired. Plot twist. When we start submitting before God and saying, God, I know this won't kill me. You've written a plot twist in my story. And though the world sees me as weak and frail, you prepared a seat for me at this table. My enemies didn't prepare a seat for me. God did. That's a plot twist in and of itself. A good God prepared a seat for me amongst my enemies. So if he's preparing the seat for me, he must have written a plot twist in this seat. Because they're not going to overcome me. There's some of you guys who've given up a little bit. And you're like, God, I've been going through this for a while and I don't, I don't see where this is turning for my good. You have to know that a good God who loves you and has written out your entire future saying, listen, you got to trust that I wrote a good story in you. I wrote a divine story in you about me. Plot twist, you were bound for hell, but I sent my son to save you. Plot twist, you're no longer an addict, you're free. Plot twist, those who canceled you and didn't want anything to do with you, I now surrounded you with a church family. Plot twist, you're no longer a title of what you've been through. I call you son and daughter, you are mine. What a plot twist. The story doesn't end there, because we got to see in chapter 7, what? happens to Haman see God is turning around the story he's turned the story and you have to see the plot twist in your life the same as the plot twist in the life of Esther and Mordecai or all, and the Jews just show the fingerprints of God's hands all over the situation so whenever you see his fingerprint you be like there's a plot twist happening right now I want to encourage you. Do you guys receive that today? Do you guys mind standing with me? I don't know what your life is. I don't know where you're at. And I don't even know if Jesus is your personal savior or not. I don't know that. 
But today could be the greatest plot twist ever written in your story. Today is the day where you can decide, God, I want to take you seriously. I want Jesus in my life, and I want you to come and, 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 and forgive me of all of my sins, and I want to look like you, and I want to talk like you, and I want to give my story that I've been writing with zero plot twist, with zero change. I want you to come into my life and write a plot twist in my life that I am no longer headed to the destination that I wrote, but I'm headed to where you wrote for me. And I want that. And I need that in my life. And there's some of you guys in the room who are going through a situation right now, and you're like, God, have you stopped writing? Is this going to turn around, or is this going to be how it ends? He wants to encourage you today and say, hey, I've written a plot twist in your story. This will not kill you. You will live and not die. You will thrive and not just survive. I've got a plot twist waiting for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, today is the day of salvation. So if, you want, if today you decided, God, I want you to write my story from now on because you write the best stories ever, I want you to raise your hand and I want to pray for you. And if you're in this room, I see you. And if you're in this room and you're saying, Pastor, I need God to change my situation so I want to pray. I need prayer that I see God's plot twist in my life. Would you raise your hand? I see you. I see you. Father, we come before you and you see the person who raised their hand who's saying, God, I'm giving you my life and I need you to write a plot twist. I need you to turn it around. I give my life to you. I acknowledge all of my sins and all of my shortcomings and I say sorry, so forgive us, Lord God. And Lord God, you see the person who wants to be made new in Christ Jesus. So Lord God, I thank you today they have become a divine plot twist, Lord God, that the story that they wrote is no longer how it's going to end, but now it involves you, Lord God, and it ends with them thriving and not surviving. It ends with their, their souls being saved. So we thank you for today. Lord God, I want to pray for every believer in this room under the sound of my voice who needs to see your fingerprint of you turning it around. Lord God, we know in the name of Jesus that what the enemy intended for evil, that you are turning it around for a good. So Lord God, right now, you're turning around the story for their good. You don't stop working so we can rest in you. Lord God, that when we pray, we know that you're in control. We know that you're good. We know that you can be trusted and we know that you're listening and that even right now Lord God even while we're in church while we're in the church building and having church that you've worked out our situation for your glory that I can give you this day of rest and rest knowing that your hand has been the narrative over my life thank you for the divine plot twist thank you for changing my story in Jesus name amen Amen. Amen. I have a few announcements. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.